Hey, listeners, welcome to another episode of The Background Scoop. It's your one and only host, DJ Stavropoulos, part-time background actor here in Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks so much for tuning in. Sorry about that last episode where I recorded half of it in my car. As real as it was, the quality sucked. And I don't want to be known for sucky quality, even if the content is spectacular. This episode is all about SAG-AFTRA, divorce, and finding yourself in the middle of a foreign city that doesn't really exist. No airlines fly there. You have to take a shuttle bus that seats only eight people, and there's only one of them, so getting 100 people there can take as long as a cross-country flight. I've decided that to protect myself from potential lawsuits, I'm no longer going to mention any of the real names of anything I've worked on unless it's already been released. I won't even use the project's code name because that still refers to the same thing. Instead, I'll create my very own secret code name, which will act as a hint to what the project's name really is. That way, in a court of law, it would be impossible to prove what I was referring to because I never used the name. For example, White Eve is not a real show or movie. I also like to creatively combine words from the episode to generate a crazy title such as Saggy White Eve, which will make you think of a 90-year-old woman living with a guy named Adam in a garden called Eden. She got way too much sun in her life, hence her drooping skin. But seriously, if you want to see me reciting a portion of this episode, check out my personal YouTube channel. It's called DJ Stavropoulos. I'm experimenting with the idea of turning this into a video blog from which I can easily extract the audio part and release that as my podcast. I'll get started after the break. One quick clarification here, since I record the introduction you just heard after I've recorded all the other segments, you're going to be wondering why I use production names in this episode. It's because I made that decision after recording most of this, and so it applies to future episodes. Thought I would just clear that up. Today is Saturday, June 5th, 2021. I did my second day on the ballet Wednesday this week. It was a million times easier than what I experienced the first time. I was actually going to cancel if the call time was 5 p.m. or later because you know what happened last time. Up all night for 13 hours. Yuck. This time was short and sweet, just six hours for me, although some people had arrived at 7 a.m. My call time was 1 p.m. Three friends were there. Roella, Kate, and Valerie. Plus, I reconnected with Sean, the pizza guy from Anchor Point. He had some great stories to tell, but more importantly, he educated me on the SAG after a process. We got into this topic because Roella did the first lady recently, and they gave her a line. And then they had her fill out a bunch of SAG paperwork. So according to Sean, she is now eligible for membership. It's that simple. You go to the website, which is www.sagaftra.com that's s-a-g-a-f-t-r-a.com and go to membership and benefits and then click on eligibility checker in the left column you enter your full name and social security number to see if you're eligible from their website quote a performer becomes eligible for sag after membership under one of the following two conditions proof of sag after 
SAG, or AFTRA employment, or employment under an affiliated performers union. SAG-AFTRA membership is available to those who work in a position covered by a SAG-AFTRA or AFTRA or SAG collective bargaining agreement, provided that any person qualifying through work as a background actor must have completed three days of work as a background actor under a SAG-AFTRA or AFTRA or SAG collective bargaining agreement. Membership is also available to those who work one day of employment in a principal or speaking role, actor slash performer, or as a recording artist in a SAG-AFTRA or AFTRA or SAG covered production." Unquote. I'm not sure I fully understand the first part. It sounds as if you need to work three days on a SAG job as a SAG person, even though you're not yet a member, but I have no idea how you would get such a role. The section option sounds easier. Simply put, all you need is one speaking role to become eligible. And you'll know if that happens because one, you'll get a line and it only has to be a single word to qualify. And two, the production company will give you a bunch of paperwork to fill out. Once the paperwork is in, you can apply for membership. The initiation fee is $3,000 a year, but the website says it may be cheaper in some states without listing which ones. And then semi-annual dues are comprised of two things. One, one half of the base dues, base dues are currently $222.96, plus two, one half of the work dues calculated at 1.575 of covered earnings up to $500,000 based on earnings in the previous calendar year. Well, that sounds complicated, so don't ask me to explain it, at least not right now. If and when I join, I'll let you know what I learn. More on this after the break. So why join the SAG after union? The benefits are that it qualifies you for SAG jobs, which pay more. Plus the background gigs here require that a certain percentage of those hired are SAG people, and they get paid more if they are. I guess this can also hurt you because once they fill that quota for a job, you're out of luck. So it appears to work both ways. I was discussing the break-even analysis with Varela, but when I heard about the annual renewal fee, it becomes a lot more complicated. Actually, she's getting paid almost $1,000 for that single day of work on Flotus for uttering one simple line. So you really only need to do three or four of these to cover the initial cost. What a deal. Now I know. I wish someone had explained this to me earlier as clearly as Sean did. Communication is key. Thanks so much, Sean. And sorry that creepy other pizza guy was hitting on your 20-year-old daughter at the vineyard recently. I'll keep my eyes out for him, as well as the crazy cowboy you and Roella have both had the unfortunate experience of having to work with. But here's an even more interesting story. Holding was at 100 Peachtree in downtown Atlanta, an office building that used to be called the Equitable Building because it said that in huge letters across the top. But recently that was removed and now it's the Georgia's own Credit Union Building. Not as catchy, I know. Anyhow, when I was employed by Accenture, the global consulting firm, from 1998 to 2003, we had some office space in here as well as the Georgia Pacific building a few blocks away. Holding was on the 26th floor, and let me tell you, the view looking southeast over the city was incredible. I've never been in such a wonderful holding area. 
and we filmed right outside the front of the building. So imagine the irony of me returning to a building I once worked in as a businessman, now pretending to be a businessman who works in the same building, which is now pretending to be in Los Angeles and owned by a hotel company. It doesn't get weirder than this. You may recall Kate, whom I mentioned in the First Wives episode, season one, episode six. We met filming Respect at the Fox, and then three months, and then again on the First Wives Club. She was dressed as a waitress and did filming at the recently renovated Chandler Hotel just across the street. I heard it's beautiful inside, and she agreed and said I needed to sneak over there. I finally got her last name, and we're now friends on Facebook. She has this adorable video of her son flossing. She recently did a long stint on something called Jasmine with Tyler Perry and said it was great, but wondered why I hadn't also done that. It's set in the 1940s and was cast by Bill Marinella, whose jobs I rarely see, so I guess that is why. He doesn't really have a website, and the application process is a bit convoluted, and you know how much I love simplicity and efficiency. Plus, with sugar as she is, I can't really go off and spend weeks working on something. One short COVID blurb here, because there wasn't time to test for yesterday's job at the studio or on set, they contracted with a third-party company and let you go get a test, which they gave you a code to pay for. It costs $175 for a test with results in 12 hours, except they actually didn't arrive for 15 hours. This must be so expensive for these companies to have to do this. If your results didn't arrive in time, you couldn't report to set. I brought two suits this time, and they loved the dark gray windowpane one. The wardrobe woman questioned the shirt, which was white with small black shapes on it. But when I returned with the outfit on, someone else approved it. Bingo! I got to wear 100% of my own clothing, which meant leaving was simple. Except that for the second scene, I was a reporter and had to return my microphone. I didn't have to leave without a shirt on this time in broad daylight. That might have stopped traffic. And I did realize after explaining the algebraic formula why casting companies quote their rates in inconsistent ways. It's because they're telling you the guaranteed rate. In other words, $168 over 12 means you're guaranteed to get $168 for the job. Buried within that is the base rate and the overtime rate. Listen to the Roadkill episode for more on this. Also, I finished watching all 10 episodes of The Underground Railroad, and boy, am I even more blown away now. What I said earlier is even more true. It's a very deep and complicated show, so I have to watch it again. The burning down the house footage actually appears much later in episode 7, although it starts in episode 3. It came out very well. I do clearly see my friend Scott B. running directly towards the camera, as his white hair is unmistakable. And then William P. shows up at the train station, although I didn't see him in the scene. He appears in the credits with a woman also dressed for the scene. It's so powerful to think that I was in the presence of such greatness without even knowing it. The South African actress who plays Cora is Thuso Mbidu. Look her up and follow her on Instagram. That's T-H-U-S-O-M-B-E-D-U. It's Friday, June 11th, 2021. I returned to The Walking Dead one day this week, and any potential additional shooting has now moved to mid-July, 
Ka-ching! An easy $325 for a single day of filming. I was also booked on The Staircase next week. This was a series on Netflix that I really enjoyed, and now HBO Max is creating their own version. I don't quite remember how it ends. In other words, was he found guilty or not? It's set in the early 2000s, so Wardrobe is asking for baggy suits, four-inch ties, and square-toed shoes. I have plenty of all of this since, as you may recall, I actually was a businessman for real at that time, and I don't throw anything away, including old suits. Well, I actually had to cancel that because something much better came along, and it's called Black Adam, another DC Comics production with Dwayne Johnson. My friend Lily has been on it, and she got me up to speed at our Walking Dead shoot this past Tuesday. The pay is great, $161 for 12 hours, plus a $50 bump. She calls this the suffering bump, and here's how it came about. One day on set, they worked a lot, and no one got food in a timely fashion, so the casting company addressed the issue, but also added a $50 bump. Now, going forward, it's part of the pay package. The staircase was a measly $108 for eight hours, but I should collect close to $1,000 for four days of shooting on Black Adam. Sugar will be boarded for part of this, but she's doing so much better now. She randomly walks down the stairs, and I even caught her walking up the stairs recently as I sat in the foyer putting my shoes on. But she won't do it if I'm trying to film her as proof. Black Adam is cast by Alessi Hardigan Casting. I'd never ever heard of this casting company until now. They do work in Los Angeles, Hawaii, New Mexico, and Georgia. That's an odd mix of states and cities. Find out more at alessihardigancasting.com, spelled A-L-E-S-S-I-H-A-R-T-I-G-A-N-Casting.com. While on TWD this week, I met three new people, Catherine, Ava, and Kina. Kina had more information on SAG. She is SAG eligible, which means she qualifies to join, but has chosen not to. Why? For the reasons I explained earlier. Once the SAG quota is reached, she would no longer be eligible to be hired as a non-SAG hire. See, here's how it works. They cannot hire a SAG person for a non-SAG role, but they can hire a non-SAG person for a SAG role. So if you join SAG and a project meets its 10% quota of SAG hires, you cannot be hired to fill one of the non-SAG roles. But let's say you were not part of the SAG union. If that project filled its 90% of non-SAG roles and was trying to fill the 10% SAG roles and for some reason couldn't find people, they could hire you for a SAG role. Kina basically said it wasn't worth it to join because as much as it opens up roles for you, it also limits you. But I think it really depends on the roles you're going after. The real purpose of this segment is to talk about divorce. Yes, the D word. I don't think I've shared this before, but my husband and I separated about a year ago and are just getting to the legal part of the process. I mentioned meeting Amanda on The Walking Dead back in May in a prior episode. Well, I ran into her again this week, only this time we somehow got on this subject. I was talking about my dog, Sugar, and showed her a picture. Only my soon-to-be ex is in the picture holding her. So she asked if this was my partner, husband, etc., and I said, soon-to-be ex-husband. Well, it turns out she's going through a divorce as well, and it started just a few months before mine. We had lots to discuss. Hers is more complicated because she has children. 
I told her about the Divorce Not Dead podcast by Caroline Stanbury that I discovered a while back and how it really resonated with me. Primarily because society raises us all to believe that divorce is one of the worst things that can happen to you. And that may be true, but it may be false for some of us. I have two points to make here. Number one, society plays a huge role in shaping how we think about certain subjects, and it's not always true, in the sense that you may experience the same thing very differently as I am. And number two, when doing background work, you never know how much in common you may have with a random person you meet. Sometimes synchronicity comes into play. I mean, if I had chosen the picture of only sugar, the whole divorce discussion may have never come up. Our conversation went from one inch deep small talk to a topic so personal and deep that I found myself sharing things I don't normally blurt out to someone I've barely just met. But that's me. So now I feel so much more connected to her just because we're going through the same thing. And that always brings people together. Shared experiences and learning from others. As you, my listeners, may be doing with me. And we don't even have to meet in the real world to make this happen. Toodaloo. Today is Sunday, June 13th, 2021. Two things I wanted to mention before I forget. I fixed my IMDb page. See, what happens is production companies will create an IMDb page for you if one doesn't exist for the name you worked under and you're featured in their production. So, whomever made Willy's Wonderland created a page for me and named it Demetrius Stavropoulos. I already have a page called DJ Stavropoulos, so now I had two, but I did some research and figured out how to merge the two pages. You basically go to the page you don't want to exist anymore and merge it into the page you want to keep. Now when people see references to Demetrius Stavropoulos in a production, it automatically brings them to the DJ Stavropoulos page. So on the Willy's Wonderland page, it has a link to my DJ Stavropoulos page and in parenthesis says, as Demetrius Stavropoulos, which means I appear in the production with that name. Hopefully this will work for all of my stuff because as a background actor, I always have to work under my legal name. Yay! Second, I mentioned old TV shows and my brain not being able to remember when they ran. I watched the Friends reunion recently, and I have to say it was really good. Such an interesting mix of interviews, script reads, putting them on a recreated set, a game show, celebrity guests, and fans from all around the world talking about how the show resonated with them. 17 years. 1994 through 2003. All 10 seasons are available on HBO Max, which I now have. I'd love to, but I'll probably never get around to watching all 234 episodes. Each season has 24 episodes, except season 3 and season 6 have 25, and season 10 has only 17. I'm guessing I've seen every one of these, but now it feels as if it's a classic. I should rewatch these just for the heck of it. Turns out my ex-husband had never watched the show and is doing what I just described. He has all these odd anachronistic things in life that are actually tied to his parents, like being a fan of Fleetwood Mac. I guess this happens to others as well. If you were a child when a band was big and your parents were huge fans, you may also become a fan. Oh, and I followed this with the Tina documentary about Tina Turner's life. Equally good. 
finally, I think I said $3,000 a year when I talked about SAG earlier. That's the one-time initiation fee, not the annual cost. I'm working on Black Adam three days this week and one day next week. The fittings on Saturday got hosed, so now I'm fitting on Tuesday and having to retest on Monday. Another trip down to Trilith and another $45, which brings the total even closer to $1,000. I'm headed to Cape Cod for a week on June 29th, so I don't think I'm doing anything else until I return to Atlanta in early July. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Today is Thursday, June 17th, 2021. I finished my first of four days of filming on a big production at Trilith yesterday. I'm not going to share every boring detail since I've done that already in prior episodes. Let me focus on six key things that I found illuminating. One, getting injured. Two, working in summer sun. Three, COVID snowbed. Four, cars in a rotary. Five, carrying rugs, and six, canceled with pay. I got pretty injured yesterday. There was a running scene. On the first take, I stepped off the curb into the road too hard, and instead of bending my left leg at the knee, my foot hit the ground with a hard thump and a pain shot up my rigid left leg all the way to my thigh. I limped forward and tried to run to where I was supposed to. Subsequent shots were even more difficult, but no one seemed to notice. When they shot the scene from the other side, there were closer endpoints, and I was able to just walk rapidly instead of running. Like an idiot, I didn't grab a PA or summon the medic, which I should have. I mean, if this ends up to be something serious that requires seeing a doctor and possibly filing a workman's compensation claim, I don't have a clean record of having reported it. But I guess it's on film, right? I could ask them to review the dailies and they would see me writhing in pain as I hit the pavement. I thought the scene was pretty dangerous, and they didn't really warn us to avoid injury. Having a hundred people just run towards a small area doesn't work well if everyone stops when they get there. For the final scene, they asked, who wants to run, and selected 15 to 20 people to run an even farther distance. I sat that one out. So today I'm in some serious pain. This after barely getting over a week of lower back pain. You have no idea how valuable your legs are until you hurt one. And then even the simplest of things becomes very painful and or impossible to do. Like sitting down or just getting into and out of a car. When I'm sitting in my car, it literally feels like I've got a metal pole under my ass running the length of my left buttock. I actually went to the gym this morning and walked on the treadmill for 30 minutes, which was difficult. Earlier in the day, I was baking in the sun and thinking about the stories I'd heard about people passing out days earlier. There's a woman running around with a box of sunscreen spraying it all over people. There's a lot of water being offered. 
Something felt weird and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I started wondering why this felt so different since I'd been doing background work for almost two years now. And then it hit me. I've never filmed outside in the hot summer sun. Why? Because a year ago in June 2020, everything was shut down due to COVID. And I'd only started my BG work in the fall of 2019. So last summer was completely missed. Now I know. It gets really hot outside in the sun really quickly and adds another layer of complexity and discomfort to shooting. I mean, it's one thing to work a 12-hour day, but if you're outside in the hot sun, it can quickly become unbearable. Luckily yesterday, there was plenty of shady spots we could hide in between takes. Meanwhile, the sun can also disappear behind clouds for 20 minutes, which then leads to more delays. Water bottles are great, but not when it's time to shoot. You have to find a place to hide them, so I just stopped drinking water because I didn't need this problem to solve again and again, and it's not as if there were bathrooms a few feet away. My third topic is COVID. Okay, so everyone put their safety protocols into place, but now a lot of us are vaccinated, but no one is changing their protocols. I mean, I don't mind taking multiple COVID tests and getting paid for them, but yesterday when I returned to wardrobe with their shirt in my hand because I had already changed out of it, they retrieved my hanger and handed it to me. I tried to hand them the shirt, but they insisted I go into a changing tent and put it on their hanger in there. And then Jen said, It's a COVID thing. We can't have a bunch of you standing around in here so close to each other. And I was thinking, well, then keep us outside the tent. I mean, there were 20 people behind me in a line three inches from each other. The whole reason I changed before getting here was to save time. And now you want me to walk into a tent to hang your shirt on a hanger? I did it in 10 seconds without even closing the tent for privacy. It'll be worse going forward because my second look is 100% their clothing. More after the break. Cars and a rotary is the next topic. I've filmed with cars plenty of times, but never cars and a rotary, also called a roundabout. It's basically a circle of roadway that cars drive into and out of and looks like a circle from above. Ironically, Trilith has several of these on the external roadways that surround the studio. It's actually at the second one where you turn at the barn entrance to find background parking. I grew up with these in Massachusetts, and we do have a few in the city of Atlanta that I regularly drive through. They work for the most part, except for idiots who don't understand them and come to hard stops unnecessarily before entering. So there were basically two concentric circles with about 15 cars total. It was fascinating to watch them just drive in circles as the director tried to get them to all start and stop at the same time. It's similar to the delay when a red light turns green. The fifth car doesn't start moving until cars one to four have moved. So you have this delayed domino effect. In a rotary, since it's a circle, you are both behind all the other cars and in front of all the other cars within a given lane. So your delay impacts all the cars behind you, which includes the one directly in front of you, which means you not starting to move quickly enough is caused by you not starting to move quickly enough. Put another way, the car in front of you cannot move until you move because it's the last car behind you and it's waiting for you to go. Crazy, I know, but think about this for a minute. 
The cars were fascinating. Three decades of American and foreign cars, including a tan Lada LADA 1200 ES, which was my second car. The first was a Burgundy Volvo. The Lada was initially parked, but later ended up in the rotary traffic jam. Props gave me two jute-like rugs to carry. I had to put them into the backseat of my car and then get into the car, but later they decided I would instead just walk down the street. The rugs were rolled and one was tied together with a rope, but the second was not. After six takes, the untied one began to unroll and fall apart and I wasn't sure what to do. It just became a messy mess. Unfortunately, the shooting ended soon and I just left them in the car. And then I wondered how the props person would find them at the end of the day. Oh well. My final point is on getting paid to stay home. I was booked for four days, but rumors started to swirl that they would need only 30 people today, not 100. Then my call time email hadn't arrived by 10 p.m. Tuesday, so I had to reach out directly about that. And of the three emergency people I texted, only one got back to me and the email arrived a few minutes later. So yesterday I knew they had picked just 30 people for today, and since I hadn't been officially told this was happening, nor did I get an email saying I was one of the 30 people, I had to reach out again. She said they could use me. Okay, then as the day wore on, the PA started telling us that all 100 of us would be needed today. We eventually got the official notice from Alessi Hardigan Casting. Then when I got home, there was an email saying, change of plans, none of us are working tomorrow, meaning today. Then 10 minutes later, another email. This was better news. Alessi Hardigan Casting was going to get us paid for Thursday, today, even though we were not working. That was great news. This has never happened to me. Usually last minute cancellations are just that. And then you have no work for the day. Not only are they paying us not to work, they're paying us all the bumps as well, including $45 for a same-day COVID test. Despite what I have said in earlier episodes, more and more of these productions are now also paying you for a COVID test you take on the same day of filming. While filming yesterday, I ran into some hair people from Red Notice. Cassie, who for the most part put my wig on every day, was standing three feet away talking to the lead actress. I refrained from interrupting and figured I'd have another chance somewhere else to say hello. And I did. While eating lunch, she was sitting near me. So I yelled very obnoxiously, Cassie, do you have my wig ready? To which she replied, I never want to see that wig again. Now I know that my wig wasn't the easiest thing to deal with. I wonder what they've done with it. Do they just throw it away or recycle it for something else? Her boss, Drew, was there as well. I didn't mention this earlier, but there were five of us Red Notice alum there yesterday, the biggest ever. Me, Lily, Roella, Maria, and Vivian. And I met Catherine, a friend of Roella's, who was absolutely dumbfounded by the money we raked in on that movie. Not to complain incessantly, but the transportation to the set and back to holding was a problem. The van sat only eight people, so it took many of these to get us all there. And they kept changing which direction they were coming from. So first we were towards the front of the line, but the next van pulled up at the end of the line. We rejiggered ourselves until the next van arrived at the opposite end of where we were standing. I just gave up and stayed put. We finished at 7 p.m., but it took a good 45 minutes for me to get a van back to parking. Maria and I pulled up the Maps app to see if we could just walk, which I determined we could because it was only six-tenths of a mile away. But we made the mistake of asking the PA, and he said no for safety reasons. 
Earlier in the week, someone had sprained her ankle, which ruined it for all of the rest of us. When the van arrived and took us back to holding, it became clear that our walking path would have been more of a straight line to the entry gate, followed by an external walk down the road. The van took this maze-like path between buildings and passed through gates we couldn't have gotten through. Then I thought about just bringing my bike today and using that to get around. Probably not going to do that because it's too complicated, and I don't think the PAs would appreciate my resourcefulness. I'd be acting outside their box, and it's one more thing they'd have to worry about. I ran across another podcast I have to tell you about. You see, everything I talk about here is from my own personal perspective as a background actor. So it's always interesting to hear the perspective on the same subject from people working in other parts of the industry. While perusing the central casting page last week, I discovered an interview with two women, Jen Bender and Claire Benjamin, who have been with Central a long time. It's on a podcast called Below the Line, Season 6, Episode 6, released in July 2020, almost a year ago. They talk about the impact COVID has had on the casting process. Because it was recorded in July, it's at the very beginning of when casting companies were trying to solve the problem, so it's fascinating to hear what they thought at the time versus how process changes eventually panned out. Even more interesting is that the host of the podcast is a guy named Robert Skidmore, known as Skid, who was hired by Red Notice to work on their COVID stuff. And he even mentions putting the podcast on hold for a few months while they went off and did this. I clearly remember our first big meeting in the parking lot when we arrived, as he was one of the people we were introduced to. Once again, check out Below the Line, Season 6, Episode 6. It's Saturday, June 19th, just after 9 a.m. After recording the prior segments, I did some research on the internet to find out where a lot of cars are made. That's the car I was putting my rugs into. Turns out it's a Soviet car. How strange and ironic, because there I was getting into a Soviet car on a movie set the same day President Joe Biden was meeting with Vladimir Putin. Is there some message here from higher powers that I need to figure out? No wonder I had no idea what it was. I have never been to the Soviet Union, and will probably never go, and they don't really sell them here in the U.S., although you can find them on the internet and somehow get one here. Vladimir Putin claimed that there was no joy in life. Clearly, he's never done background acting. I forgot to mention that the movie is set in a fictitious city, and they even came up with a fake language that looks like Hebrew, so the signs on all the buildings looked very Middle Eastern. And when I mentioned here people from Red Notice, I left out Lee A. She's an Asian woman whom I met on that film. She's dating a Greek guy like me. Well, I don't mean a Greek guy like me, but rather a man who happens to be Greek. That sparked a whole conversation on Greekness, but I don't remember the details. Anne Maria, one of the Red Notice alums, has a fascinating story as well. She just graduated from Kennesaw State, up where I used to live, but she simultaneously studied for her real estate license, which she now has. We stumbled onto this topic on Red Notice. She said the only brokerage she was considering was Keller Williams, the one I work for. And then she actually joined and chose me as her sponsor. That means she's now in my profit-sharing hierarchy, which means I get a tiny cut of 
shared profit from her office for every transaction she completes. We ended up talking real estate nonstop while waiting 45 minutes for the bus when we finished on Wednesday. It's really interesting to provide advice to a newbie given that I've been selling real estate for almost four years now. My call time today is 12.45 p.m., so that's good because I kept Sugar home last night and can drop her off this morning. But of course, the term night shoot was in the email, and there's no consensus on what this means. Does this mean all night or just into the night? If we do a full 12-hour day, it just means I'll be there until 1 a.m. That I can survive, but I cannot stay up all night. Maybe it's different when you're with friends. Stay tuned. This is day three of four, although day two was just a paid day for not working. Oh, and we actually are not getting paid for the COVID test we didn't take yesterday. These electronic voucher systems are so flaky. I swore I saw yesterday's voucher with this bump on it late Tuesday, but then yesterday it disappeared and reappeared without the bump. Today, I also know through my USPS emails that I'm receiving two checks from the First Lady, which is clearly a mistake since I've already been paid for all of that work. Someone somewhere messed up. So I'll let you know how much I stand to gain from this error. My position on this is that what goes around comes around. In other words, I've wasted countless hours tracking down unpaid work. So this is payback for that lost time. I cannot fathom what a cluster these processes are. The standards of operation and what people accept as normal are on a completely different planet from the corporate world I came from. There should be a Freakonomics episode on the time people waste in the film and TV industry just trying to get paid. Okay, I'll get off my high horse and never mention this topic again until the next time I do. Today is Saturday, June 19th, 2021. Happy Juneteenth. It's the first time we're celebrating this brand new federal holiday that Joe Biden quickly signed into law two days ago. A special shout out to Opal Lee, the Texas woman who spent decades of her life fighting to make this happen. And now in her 90s, it finally has. I said in the last segment that it was Saturday morning, but it was actually yesterday, Friday morning. It's turning out to be a lazy Saturday and it just started to rain. So my plans to cut the grass have been hosed for the time being. I feel sluggish, 12 hours of filming, but not overnight. We finished at 12.30 a.m. I'm trying something new here. I'm recording the first part of this as a video blog just to see what it looks like to both view and listen to my podcast. I'll post this on my personal YouTube channel and see how people react. And then maybe down the road, I'll tackle a video blog instead of just a podcast. It's an enormous amount of work because it's not just about the content and how it sounds. It's about what people will see and a picture or video is worth a thousand words. Two scenes in the same city center, one in daylight, one at night. I ran into the usual friends, Red Notice Maria, Lily, Rowella, Vivian, and Catherine. But alas, my friend Maria from MacGyver was there as well. I'll call her MacGyver Maria to keep the two Marias distinct. And we met a guy named Alex from Athens who works at the university. He's quite jovial and takes time off to do this work. His three sons are grown and moved out. He and his girlfriend are fixing up their house but having some disagreements. Oh, and I met a woman named Cleopatra from Cairo, Egypt. She has black braided hair and a few streaks of blonde. She was eating a really small piece of yellow fruit that looked like a small cherry tomato and was bitter and whose name begins with a J. What is this? I have never seen people 
who have interacted on social media meet for the first time in the real world, but it happened twice. MacGyver and Maria knew my friend Vivian online, but they had never met for real. And then the Alex guy turned out to be someone in the same boat, although I think Maria may have also met him years ago on another project. Here's a warning. Before you marry someone, figure out how you're going to decorate your house, especially if you have different tastes. Are you going to compromise on each room, divvy up the rooms, or let one partner have total control? This really matters in the end. If you compromise on each room, they end up looking like a blend of who knows what. If you divvy up the rooms, then your house will lack design continuity. It's probably best to give one partner total control with limited input from the other in order to have a cohesive overall design. Alex is questioning his girlfriend's desire to put bunny wallpaper on the accent wall in their bedroom. He told her he has to see this before he decides and agrees on whether they'll put it up or not. The day scene was much easier this time. Catherine and I had to walk to an ATM and get money out, do some shop browsing, and then visit a coffee stand. But that changed quickly before we even shot the scene. I was promoted to Scooter Valet. The coffee woman was hired elsewhere, and Catherine was left walking alone. Being the Scooter Valet was so easy. I have never had a role where I literally just sat there and did nothing, except play with a pen. It gave me the chance to look around me and observe what everyone else was doing, which was neat. When they yelled background, I lifted the pen and began moving it around with my right hand. When they yelled reset, I put it down. First I had no customers, but then I had two women looking but deciding not to rent. And then they had Maria come up to me and discuss rentals. You get to make up your dialogue, so I was pointing out the different colors and how most of them didn't work because they were over 40 years old and that she might want to just walk around instead of scootering. Cleopatra popped in at one point somehow, although she wasn't with Maria. Oh, actually, before all this happened, Catherine kept coming over to chat between shoots, and then it happened. I know I've advised to treat principal actors as if they were not even there. But when you're a huge fan of Pierce Brosnan and he starts walking towards you, you pretty much poop your pants. He walked toward us and went about 10 feet away, smiled and said hello, to which we both said hi back. It's that simple. You just treat them like any other friendly human being. They had no little battery-powered fan for him, so someone was fanning him with a paper one, and another person held a black umbrella over him to shield him from the sun, although it was pretty overcast all day. The big joke was that when a trash can appears on set, you have no idea whether it's part of the set or real or both. So the metal trash cans on the set were being filled with trash, although it appeared they were just for looks. Our coffee woman was a real jokester, and we laughed about how she would make our coffee for us, although it was set up as a self-serve because of COVID, although we were not sure COVID existed in the scene. And we noticed that there was a law office in the building, um, noted on one of the doorbells, at which point I threatened to hire them to sue her if I burned myself on the too-hot coffee as someone had done to McDonald's years ago. Catherine also told me a story of being sexually harassed or at least inappropriately ogled on the set of the ballet. She told Central Casting as she was on the set and it got back to the person and he apologized. I told her how I had stumbled onto the Los Angeles portion of the Central Casting website this week where a huge warning appears to say that until you complete online sexual harassment training, you cannot work any projects. This is not true for Georgia, but it should be. The night scene was so much better, the city looked a million times more alive with color and lights. This time it was paired with MacGyver Maria and again another trip to an ATM. We were on the other side of the town rotary looking for a place to eat. The ATMs were really dirty and non-functioning and she didn't want to touch them. 
I thought our initial conversations last March were deep, but we went to the next level this time, discussing retirement and children and being a parent. She became a grandmother twice in 2020, as both her daughter and stepson had babies. In the final scene, which they called a martini shot, she had never heard this before, we got to sit down at a cafe for dinner. Although we didn't work all night and I was in bed by 1.30 a.m., I still feel like crap today. My alarm went off at 6 a.m., it's normal time, but I slept until 8.30 and then rushed out to get sugar without showering at all. I still firmly believe that your body is a temple and you need to take care of it and respect it, and that means not shocking it by staying up late and sleeping less than you normally do. Next week is up in the air. Although I was booked for Monday, Alessia Hardigan Casting sent some new emails saying they need 100 people for Wednesday instead. I declined an offer to do single drunk female next week. It doesn't sound like a project I'd want to be associated with. The role is to be a St. Patty's Day pedestrian in an exterior shot. I wonder if they'll have lots of people fake drinking beer and pretending to be sloshed. That's something I've never done. My homework this week for Business Video School is to follow video influencers from a list provided and observe their profiles and videos. This class is teaching me a lot about being compelling on video and engaging your audience, so hopefully this will improve this podcast, but it may be too little too late. It almost feels disingenuous to pretend to be more animated than you really are just to get podcast listeners and YouTube subscribers. And that presents a real moral dilemma for me because my mantra in life is to be exactly who I was meant to be. When I initially began to explore these people on social media, for many of them, within 10 seconds, I stopped watching because I was completely turned off, which made me realize that you'll attract some people and may repel others, but you should never change who you really are just to attract people who otherwise wouldn't be interested in you. Here's a quick recap for those who want the cliff notes. If you want to learn about SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, go to sagaftra.com and read more about it and ask people who are SAG or on their way to joining this union. Before getting married, you should know your partner's design taste. And if you're not signing a prenuptial agreement, you still have one. It's whatever your state decides is a fair and equitable division of assets when you split. So know what this is. If you end up with multiple IMDB pages because companies are creating these for you, you can merge them. Although background holding is usually in a tent somewhere outside or an old decrepit building, you may end up at the top of a skyscraper with a wonderful view. You may someday end up playing yourself or at least a person you used to be, and that should be pretty easy to do. Be wary of night shoots if you don't want to put yourself through that. They are not always clearly identified, but if your call time is after 12 noon and you assume a 12-hour day, you'll be working until at least midnight. And finally, sometimes when you need to get away from it all, a background stint may do the trick. Why spend fortune flying to another country when you can visit a fictitious foreign city on set, mingle with the background locals, window shop at fake stores, and pretend to eat at sidewalk cafes that have no food or menus? And don't worry about needing or getting cash because the ATMs are just for looks. Plus, you're getting paid. That's all for this episode. Tune in again for more of The Background Scoop, where I discuss background acting here in Atlanta. Hope you're learning and getting some BG roles of your own. Feel free to reach out with your questions, which I'll try to answer in a future episode. 
or tell me a story about your own experience, and I may choose to interview you. See the episode notes for how to reach out. And if you like what you've heard, please rate the podcast. Thanks for listening.